Awesome. Hey, um, <clears throat> I've always wanted a big, boomy voice, so um, it's hard to see you guys right now. I didn't know that it, it's just so dark at the Freedom Center. I'd, uh, you probably couldn't see me. Um, tough crowd. Anyways, <laughs> <clears throat> I want to do this, though, real fast. I uh, was looking around the room, and I believe there are some families here, and I could be way wrong, but... Um, You've been trying to have a child, and you would like to have a child. And um, I, I want to pray for you today and pray that this wonderful gift of having children would take place, and this would be your season. This is your finally. Is there anybody here today? And I know this is probably like, I, I really feel like I, we want to pray for you. This entire church wants to pray for you. Is there anybody here today? Anybody that's trying to have a kid and wants to have a kid? Am I wrong? Okay, well, it's not the first time. I tell my kids, dad is always wrong. Mom is always right. Anybody? Nobody? Oh, we are on live stream, I forgot about that. Well, we're still gonna pray, is that cool? Is that cool that we do? Um, I just wanna pray for some, some moms, you know? And I'm prophesying that, some moms. Father, I just declare right now that life would begin to grow inside of the women here or the ones that are listening today, God. Yeah. We ask for your breath of life to be breathed into them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do want to pray for the men of the house today, and um, I want to invite every son, every man, um, every Grandpa, if you're able to, I actually want to invite you to just kneel today. Can we kneel together? Is that if I kneel with you guys? And I just want to pray over you guys today. Is that cool? Men, can we kneel? No one's, how many guys wouldn't do anything? Like, no matter what I said, you wouldn't do it anyways. Nobody's moving. <clears throat> I'm on concrete, so you have no excuse. You're on the carpet, super padded down there. I want to pray for all the men, sons, uncles, grandpas. And I wrote this prayer for you, and I just want to pray it over you today. And, and women, if you guys can just partner with this prayer. And uh, <clears throat> I really feel like today, there's life in his voice, church. And I feel like today, you're going to hear his voice, and you will be different, and you won't go back to business as usual. But there is transformation in the hearts of men today. And so I just want to pray this. <clears throat> I bless you, men sons, fathers, with a long and healthy life, that no sickness or disease will come near you. I bless you with financial prosperity and abundance. May the works of your hands be blessed and prosperous, and may you be successful in everything you put your hand to. As his word declares, may you be the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom. May you have the ability to gain wealth and steward it well. May every place that your feet treads, may God give you victory. May the angels of the Lord be with you and minister to you and protect you and your family. And may God always give you victory over the devil's schemes in all things. As his word declares for you, men, may every spiritual blessing in Christ and the promises of God be yours. May goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. And surely goodness will walk with you 
as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I just bless you, and I just pray that all those things would come to you and your family in your descendants, your children's children. If you receive that today, say, I receive your words, Father. Yeah, amen. You guys can be seated today. Awesome. Yeah, so good. <clears throat> so good to be in the house today. I, uh, my name's Adam Cook, and it's a good English name. And uh, uh, my mom is here from Georgia, which we, we, I mean, I grew up in this church. I've been attending this, well, I was, we started attending this church when I was two years old. Um, I'll be 38 this summer. And so baptized in this house, saw go through many growth spurts and changes. And um, my dad and my mom um, brought us here and just taught us to love well. And mom, I'm just glad you're here today. So please, please, please cheer me on today because I need mom's voice in the house, you know. But um, my wife and I, we moved to Idaho um, five plus years ago and took our family over there to be with a church, partner with a church of roughly 50 people and incredible people, wonderful people. And uh, we just built a building last year in August and the church is growing and uh, families are attending and changing their lives. And our, our culture is about uh, family and about um, raising up and empowering moms and dads, not just in the faith, but also just raising up moms and dads and recognizing that one of the biggest things that our culture needs are or is an encounter with Father. And so we just are excited about what we're doing in Idaho. Fastest growing city in America right now, Boise is, and we really want it to stop growing um, because it's just crazy. All those Californians moving right into uh, Idaho and it's, it's actually exciting, so we're just glad to be here. We're with Child again, and uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> An unexpected gift. Um, so there's a nine-year gap between our youngest and this one, and we're like, oh, okay, well, seven or eight-year plan turned into 18 years, and uh, so we're really excited about having a baby boy, and uh, um, kids are awesome, so I love kids. Today, I, I'm not up here to impress you guys. I, uh, I can get into like impressive mode and try to be something I'm not or feed off the energy in the house. And I just want to say this, like I, I, uh, today, I just want to point you to Jesus. <laughs> like I just want you to hear the Father today. So I, I hope and my prayer is that I would be a vessel today. Um, I repented of being an impressive pastor literally last fall to our congregation because there were seasons in my life that I would study to preach, not study to love. And today, I just want to speak from a place of relationship with Father today. So happy Father's Day to all the men, and happy Father's Day to an incredible Father um, who is with us in this house today. And so today, I want to talk about the series. I'm, I'm partnering with the series, God's Plan, and uh, I just have a few questions that I'm going to ask in a moment when we get there. It says I only have 20 minutes. Wow. This is awesome. <clears throat> so I'm just going to stay on my notes. I'm just going to stay here because they're like, anybody go bowling? These are like the bumpers. Like if I don't have bumpers, I'm bowling in other people's lanes. I'm stepping on other people's mojo. I'm offending everyone. And so 
I just, I'm going to stick to my notes here. But I want to talk about identity today because when we ask questions about ourselves, we're essentially asking questions about our identity, who we are. And it's common to get into the, the social sciences and the, the psychology and the sociologies and all the different ologies and, and you know what I mean? Like we can start taking personality tests and we can get on Facebook and take animal tests. Like what animal am I or what celebrity am I? And we're all like searching to know something about ourselves. How many of you guys have taken those tests before? Don't raise your hand. There's tremendous shame involved in that. And I'm here to declare to you shame off of you. So, <clears throat> so don't partner with shame and take those tests. But how many of you guys have asked? You're trying to figure out who you are. Am I the firstborn? Am I the middle child? Am I the youngest, an introvert? You know, what personality type? What type of giftings do I have? And so we take all these different tests. Am I a thinker? Am I a feeler? And all of a sudden, we hand over our identity to this understanding of all these social tests, and we forget and walk away from Scripture. And here's the thing. Here's the great thing about those tests, because I'm not anti those things. I think self-discovery is important, but I will say that God-discovery is more important because you find self when you find creator, right? That's why we watched Prometheus. <laughs> Nobody else, just me. It's an alien movie. Oh, good. I expect you to come down to the altar at the end of the service. <laughs> That's Carl Jones. Pastor Carl, he's like the second OG. I was the first OG. <laughs> and only him and I get it, so it doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> brothers stick together, so it's just really good. Um, I don't know what I was talking about, but it was... <laughs> hmm. Oh, yeah, we want to know our creator. We want to know who we are, self-discovery. Here's what I want to say about those things. Those things can explain you. Those things can explain us, but we should never let them define us. You guys know what I'm saying? Those, those things are good. We're, like, we should be taking gifting tests and, and finding out where our strengths are and our weaknesses are. And, and you know what I mean? Like, those are important things, but they don't define you. They just explain you. The Word of God was was created and written for the purpose of relationship with Creator so that we would know who we are and know who He is. I love this scripture, and I don't think I have this on the screen, but I might. Proverbs 23, 7. I don't have a clicker. I'm not used to the whole... Is it on there? Awesome. Um, for as He thinks within Himself, so He is. And I want to ask you guys, what do you believe, church? What do you believe about God? And what do you believe about yourself? Because your behavior is a direct result of what you believe. Your actions, 100% of the time, reveal what you believe. Our behavior is a direct result of what we believe. That is why I spend less time correcting my children's behavior and more time correcting what they believe. Because if I change their belief, I change their behavior. Are you guys hearing me today? And so today, I'm, I'm looking for a reality change. How many of you guys want a reality change? Okay, 10 of us, good. Those 10 of you are going to heaven. Uh, how many want a reality change? Yeah, okay, now there's about 100 or so. Let's, one more time, how many of you guys want a reality change? Yeah. We should all want a reality change. There's different realities that I have created that I need God to intervene, and where I need him to intervene is in my thinking and in my identity. 
The reason I behave like a thug is because I believe I'm a thug. The reason why I indulge in pornography is because I, f I believe I'm unworthy of a real relationship. Our behavior is a direct result of what we believe. And so today I want to speak to our identity. I just kind of jumped ahead, but I want to speak to our identity. How many of you guys would honestly say your life needs some changing? I'll be the first. How many of you guys would find yourself struggling with the same thing over and over, whether it's, a whether it's anger or it's, it's a foul mouth or and you're like, oh, we're talking about these things. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about everything. I mean, whether it's just being upset with your kids and constantly being angry with them instead of wanting to embrace them or ignoring them or neglecting them or whatever that it is, we all need to change some things in our lives because God has called us to more. Look at your neighbor and say, God has called you to more. Look at the other neighbor, too, because you got a neighbor on your right and your left. <clears throat> How many of you guys know you're destined for more? You're destined for more. And what you position, the things that you value, you position your life around. If it's social media, I mean, there's stats that say that we will spend in a lifetime on social media that 70% of our, our, of our awake us being alive time is, 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 is consumed with digital media, and then 685 days in a lifetime you'll spend on social media. That's an average of 42 minutes a day, which we know that isn't true, right? That, that's conservative, right? What we value, we position our life around. And if you're not sure of what you value, then look at the things that you consume your life with, right? And I want us to begin this journey, the same passion and the same drive and the same love that we have during the time of worship, which is really just echoing the words of God, echoing scripture. All those things that you saw on the screen were essentially scriptures, the same desire. And, and I mean, I was just getting rocked over there. Like, I love singing about the faithfulness of God. First song, like all the songs today were like my fave today. Like I have fave songs and, and like all of them were awesome. And I love this, the song, the, the first song where it says, nothing here is hidden. You are my one desire. And I get rock thinking about it. Like nothing here is hidden, God, because you know me and you know every part of me. And I stand before you and you still accept me and approve of me. And that's why I get rocked by it, Right? That same passion and desire that you have during music time, because that's not ultimately worship, during that time is the same passion and fire that God wants to fuel you through his word. And today I want to talk about quickly the Bible, the Bible. Did you guys bring your Bibles today? Whether it's on your phone, I know that's, that's a, I do a lot of studying on my laptop and my phone, and, and I still have the hardcover. I love the sound of paper. I love smelling my Bible at times. I love holding it, you know, because there's something about it. And today, I actually want to unpack this truth that the Bible is a person. The Bible is a person. John 5, 39 says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. This is Jesus talking. It is these that testify about me. Verse 40 and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Church, I wanna challenge you, what is Jesus saying? He's saying this to the Pharisees. Man, don't just search for scriptures for answers. Search the scripture for relationship. Life is found in the person of Jesus, not the knowledge of Jesus. Life is found in the person of Jesus, not the knowledge of Jesus. The Bible, 
is a person. Oh, I know, Adam. Figuratively, I know what you're talking about. No, literally, the word of God is a person. What if your approach to the word of God was just of that? No, no, I know that he is. It says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word is God. I, I already know all this. No, no, no. What if you approached reading your scripture, and instead of reading it, you allowed it to read you? Because the Bible is a person. There's a conversation that takes place. Just like in worship, the music time, it's the same with the word of God. The word of God is a person. I remember thinking, if I endured reading the Bible, holy cow, I have 11 minutes. I remember thinking, if I endured reading the Bible, I was proving that I loved God faithfully. I mean, I felt like this is how I'm going to make myself trustworthy. This is how I'm going to make myself faithful. Like, God, I'm your man. I'm in the word. I'm disciplining myself. I'm doing the thing. It was duty, right? It was a duty concept. <laughs> I said duty. It was a duty concept. And I was serious about it. And then something happened inside of me. My heart came alive to this relational God, this relational being. And suddenly, this duty concept, it went from duty to delight. Like letting God's word gain entrance into our hearts is when we say to Holy Spirit, I give you permission to have your way. And that when you invite me on the pages of your heart, called the Bible, to do anything, I will go and I will do. How many of you guys are done saying yes to the Lord? Don't raise your hand. It's a trick question. How many guys are not done saying yes to the Lord? Right? You should never be done saying yes. I am never done saying yes to my wife. <laughs> it's always yes, right? I mean, there's times where I'm like, no. But it's, it's yes, probably 95% of the time, you know? <clears throat> we need to remove the idea that reading, the idea of reading the word as an act of discipline and start put, putting ourselves into the position of just trusting his heart as we read the Bible. You're not doing anything. When you read the Bible, you're not supposed to prove that you're serious about him. He'd rather you just come to him as you are and open it where you are because nothing here is hidden. You're my only desire. I don't get this. I don't want this. But God, I'm opening up because I want to be like you. Yeah, so I have some questions for you guys, and, um, and I want to, I guess, get ready to, to land the plane. So um, I'm going to invite Daniel. Just met Daniel today. He's an incredible keyboardist. The worship team, I just want, can we say thank you to the worship team? I know this is random. Thank you so much. Yeah. I remember Kyle when he was a young fella. He was in high school. I want to ask you guys some questions, and then I want to close with uh, two, two passages of scriptures, uh, scriptures, Romans and Genesis. How many of you guys would give me like two more minutes? Anybody give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten. Awesome. I just needed ten more minutes, so that's good. <clears throat> so here's a question I want to ask you guys for application purpose, and I, and I want you guys to just be honest. Like, nothing here is hidden. 
I declare over this house that you are truth tellers. And honestly, that's the only way God can speak to us is in truth, when we are just truth tellers about our own hearts and our own souls. <clears throat> Here's some questions. In your home, with your friends, in your life, what are you hungering for? What are you pursuing? And what matters most to you? I bet that we would find that it actually partners with what matters most to God. Even through all the red tape, even through all the social media, even through all the poor decisions that you may make or that I may make, I bet you it's the same what matters most to you is the same what matters most to Father. And I want to unpack some things. I want to talk about connection today. Can I talk about connection, like close it out with connection? A.W. Tozer said this, the most important thing about you as a person, and I have this on the screen, um, the most important thing about you as a person is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you as a person is what you think about when you think about God. And everybody thinks about God. You see, encountering his word is the process where God is stretching us into the bigness and likeness of Father. And sin and complacency is the process by shrinking us down into the size of man. A place of disconnection. And today I want to unpack, I want to talk about sin. Not sin. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about sin today. What if sin isn't fundamentally about behavior? What if it is deeper than a behavioral modification, a behavior change? What if sin isn't about behavior? Are you hearing me today? We know that sin doesn't make us a bad person. It's not about good or bad. Sin makes us a dead person. Sin is about life and death. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For sin's meager wages is death, but God's lavish gift, this is another translation, the Passion Translation, but God's lavish gift is, the life, is life eternal, found in your union with our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. What if our focus, another question, what if our focus on behavior is an attempt to treat the symptom, kind of like medication, but it doesn't treat the actual problem? What if our focus on correcting behavior is like giving medication to a problem, but not really solving the problem? What if our modifications and performances are only part of the solution? We're just scratching the surface because I want to remind you today that our behavior is a direct result of what we believe. So, and, and let me say this, this is important. I'm not condoning sin today. I would never teach my children to be irresponsible with their decisions, right? I hope you hear that. I just want to make that clear that I am not condoning and saying sin is okay and I'm just blowing it by and saying that our, our behavior, I'm not saying our behavior shouldn't change. Today, I want to get to the root. I want to get to why we do what we do or why we don't do what we do. 
I want to get to the place where my reality changes because I've tried all of the, the medications. It's not working, right? <clears throat> Drugs, bars, strip clubs, <laughs> partying like it's 1999, pornography. Why do those things exist? Church, why do those things exist? Because there's a need for connection. There's a need for acceptance. There's a need for love. There's a need for family. There's a need for connection. And that's why we indulge in those things, because we're searching for connection, something real, something alive that gives us purpose. So the Greek word sin, often translated into the English, is the word hamartia. Everybody say hamartia. Hamartia, which is sin, it means missing the mark. When they talk about it in the Bible, it means missing the mark. Has anyone ever heard this before? The Hebraic term likens it unto this, which I think is interesting, an archery term, literally meaning to miss the target. So for centuries, sin has been explained and taught to us as moral perfection or right behavior, i.e. righteousness. But if the essence of God's nature is relationship, then sin must be defined and understood as missing a relational reality. So I've been reading this word, hamartia, and it's made up of two parts. See, I knew the other stuff, but I didn't know this. Like sin, like when you hear the word sin, sin, that's where you kind of go, right? And you hear like fire and brimstone, turn or burn, everybody gets bumper stickers and nobody goes to heaven because <laughs> it, it just doesn't work. And, uh, and, and so you have this thing where I've understood sin as missing the mark on right doing, on, on behavior. But I've been reading about this word hamartia, and it's made up of two parts, ha and martia. And ha is a negation, like in the word dislike, dis, or un. It's a negation word that comes, um, that comes in and, and changes it changes it from, like I said, from one word to another. It's a negation of the word. And the other word, martia, is a Greek word, also comes from another Greek word, miros, meaning form or origin. Everybody say origin. <clears throat> so the fundamental meaning of missing the mark, hamartia, is the negation of origin, the negation of being, also known as formlessness. You guys still here? I'm getting into teaching mode. Is that all right? Everyone's just kind of like, oh man, I've, I've gone over 20 seconds. It's 10 o'clock. You guys good? You still here? I'm, I'm, I'm landing the plane. I want to get to this scripture because this is really good. Yes, sin is about missing the mark, but the mark was never perfect moral behavior, church. The mark was never perfect moral behavior. I thought it was. <laughs> the mark is the truth of your being. The mark is the truth of your origin. The mark is the truth of who you are. Genesis 1, 26. I want to go back to the beginning. Um, back to the beginning of the hip-hop scene. Um, just to look at some lyrics in a mic, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so here in Genesis 1, 26, God is creating the world. 
He's speaking things into existence. You guys ever heard of the string theory? They're talking about it, and, and science, scientists have found out that everything is held together by vibrations. It only proves that the Lord spoke things into existence. And so he starts speaking things into existence. He creates the mountains, and he creates the sky, and he creates all the animals. And at the end of it, he says, it is good. And so fast forward, Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us. And who is he talking about? He's talking about the family that was already there, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image image according to our likeness and let's let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth I mean he's like I'm trying to get to a point here he's like I just in case there's smart aleck children that I end up having I want them to know they have dominion over everything so he gets detailed verse 27 God created man in his own image the image of God he created him and them male and female he created them church you were created as the image of God in other words he looked into a mirror when he thought about Julie Joe, He looked into the mirror when he thought about Rachel Ketchum. He looked into the mirror when he thought about Adam. And he started forming mankind. And so he forms man and woman. He creates them in his image. And verse 28, God blessed them. This is powerful. Because he creates man and woman, and then what happens? He blesses them. Did they do anything to prove that they were serious about God's blessings? Did they do anything to prove that they were chosen and adopted children of God? No, they were chosen and adopted children of God. And so God blessed them because God is a father who begins with blessing. He doesn't say, I'm creating you, now get to work. No, he's like, I'm creating you, and you can't give what you don't have, and so I'm going to give you something so you can give it away. And so God blesses them. God bless them. And they haven't done anything to earn his blessings. God begins with blessing, and he said to them, be fruitful. Now I've got an assignment for you. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Rule over it, the fish, the sea, the sky, all of it. And, and moving right along, then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant. And he gets detailed again. Man, I've given you everything. The beasts, the earth, the dirt, the trees, everything. And then it was so, it says in verse 31, God saw all that he had made. And he looks at mankind and he says, what church? What does he say? It's on the screen. It was very good. Now hang with me because this is so important. All of, all of creation, all of creation, after he spoke it into existence, he said it was good. But after he created mankind, what does he say? It is very good. Say, I am. Come on, everybody in the house, say, I am. I am, say it again, a very good creation. Come on, say it again, I am a very good creation church he creates mankind and they're a very good creation i was in walmart years ago probably nine years ago my oldest will be 12 soon in like a few days and i had all three of our kids we had like one two three and uh all the kids are in the the, the buggy the cart buggy did we call it buggy still whatever 
Walmart car. And I was over here at Walmart and just talking about Walmart gives me anxiety. And I'm just pushing the cart through there and you know, everybody just loves coming up and seeing the kids and because they're beautiful children. My youngest is blonde hair, green eyed, and uh, um, still kind of has the blonde hair thing going on. And they're like, oh, she's so adorable. Is she yours? It's like, yeah. Yeah, she is. And they'd get to my, um, they go through all the kids, right? And they get to my oldest, and they're just like, because Annabelle is the kindest person I know in the world. And I remember this lady looking at Annabelle and just saying, oh, she's so cute. And Annabelle said, I'm not cute. I'm adorable. <laughs> Jeremy, God isn't proud of you. He's very proud of you. Roger, you're not good. You're very good. Are you guys hearing me today? And this is what God says. This is how he begins mankind and the identity of man and woman by saying you are a very good creation, even before having to behave like a very good creation. Why? Because God knows if you know that you're a very good creation, you'll behave like a very good creation. And we say in our home and we say in our church all the time, when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are in any situation, when you know who you are in the middle of the storm, you know what to do. You know to go back to the boat and go to sleep with Jesus because that's what he was doing because you, were, you are a very good creation created in the image of God. When you're faced with a challenge, you know what to do because you know who you are. You are a very good creation and the God who whispered galaxies into existence, the God deity, the God head gets on his hands and knees and he forms the dirt. He gets on the lowest part of the earth and he starts forming children, and he forms Adam, and he picks him up, and he puts, I mean, God, we're talking about God here, puts his mouth on the nostrils of dirt, and then he breathes life into this child, and he says, you are a very good creation, church. He says to every man and woman in this house, as he puts his lips on your life, because he's that type of God, he says, you're a very good creation. And I don't mean to get all emotional. <laughs> I don't even know why. I'm all good. I just turn it off just like that. <clears throat> the Father desires connection with you. That's why he invites you to do anything. When he asks you to obey, it's because he wants to have connection with you. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So obedience is the fruit of relationship. And if you're having an obedience problem, it's probably because you have a relationship problem. You didn't know you were a very good creation. You thought you had to earn it, strive for it. And I'm here to tell you that will take you down the path of repeating the cycle of poor decision-making and poor behavior. When God invites you to know who you are, he says, let me put my lips on your nostrils and let me give you the very life and breath of myself. That's how connected and good the Father wants to be in your life and with your life. And that's the invitation of the Word of God. The 
word of God is an invitation to know who he is and to know who we are. It's a relational, <laughs> it's a relational book where we allow the scriptures to read us. So I'm, I'm already gone over and I do have these words on the screen that my kids see on our, um, did I disappear when I came out of the light? Like, was it like, oh man, his tan is so amazing. When I, when I was here years ago, people used to think I was a, a white guy with a really great tan. And I was like, well, cool, okay, whatever. Um, I'm not, but it's, it's, it's nice that you think that. But Fenton's becoming more diverse. So high five to all the brown people. It's awesome to see her. Um, high five to all the white people too. It's, it's just, this is way cool. Um, something that hangs on a refrigerator with my kids. Before they went to school, we got into a routine where I would declare things over them. And then at the end of it, it'd say, expect a hug from dad. And so I want to read this to you, and I want you to expect an incredible hug from your heavenly father today because they're going to sing this song. Man. But pastor right here goes till 10.15, so I have five more minutes, right? Is that all right? I don't know how you guys do it in an hour. <clears throat> but they're going to lead this song, and this song is born again, and it's a powerful song. <sighs> I feel like... Every time I say yes to Father, I feel like I'm, I'm being born again. Like I, I, I come into a new reality with him. And I want to declare this over you because these are the things I say over my kids um, before they went to school. And uh, now we're in the summer schedule and I need to be more intentional with this. But what does the truth of your being look like, church? What does the truth of your being look like? Yes, sin is missing the mark, right? But it's missing the mark on the truth of who we are. And the truth of who you are is that you are a very good creation. And I want to declare these things over your hearts today. You are patient, church. You are kind. You are humble. <laughs> you are forgiving. You are a truth teller. You are trustworthy. You have integrity. You are long-suffering. You are loving. You don't keep records of wrong. Why? Because Love resides in you. You desire the best. You are furious at everything that is wrong. You are pure of heart, and you are made in the image of God. And I declare over this house, Freedom Center, you are a very good creation. And God doesn't think you're just good. He thinks you're very good today. And I just want to say that to you, and I want to charge you to believe and as they lead this song, I want you to sit and allow Holy Spirit to come and just give you the biggest father hug ever. And if it looks like standing, if it looks like kneeling, if it looks like sitting with your eyes closed today, all I know is there are people in this house, everybody raised their hand, you need a reality change. Well, here comes the reality change because God is speaking to what you believe, not to your behavior, and you'll see a reality change. So let's listen with our spirits today and receive from Father God today.